Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. You, therefore, must endure hardship. Everyone say endure. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You, therefore, must endure. He's letting him know there's a must here. There's no option. There's no way around it. I'll tell you what, if you want to walk with the Lord, you better get good at endurance. If you want to walk with God, we have to become, uh, we cannot be deficient in endurance. We must become proficient at enduring. Enduring implies outlasting. Outlasting. Enduring implies that there's pressure. We just sang it. We just sang about it. Through the storm, through the trials, through the afflictions. We know this. This is just basic elementary. I'm talking to a midweek crew tonight, but you know coming in to the kingdom, walking with God does not uh, promise us a pain-free, problem-free life. But even that walking with the Lord will uh, endure or, or, or welcome, I mean, welcome pressures and challenges and afflictions. That, uh, you know, you may not have even thought you engaged trials in your life until you came into the kingdom. It's like all of a sudden, look at all this, because there's adversity. You know, God has never been without adversity. God has never existed without adversity. As, as far as the Bible is written, even in Genesis chapter uh, 1 and 2 and 3, a perfect environment, we, it's what we call paradise, God had adversity. God had opposition. God had a challenger that was in the garden, the snake, the deceiver, the devil. And so God, uh, uh, oppression or, or opposition rather, is not anything new to God and isn't anything that we as believers um, should, should find surprising or, or, or should find uh, you know, in our life, it should never show up unannounced or unaware. Uh, in fact, Jesus, Peter, Paul, he was, they, they were constantly making believers aware that there will be opposition. There is opposition. There, there is adversity. And so endurance is not just what I do, but it's how I do it. Enduring is not just what I do. It's not just simply uh, arriving at the end. It's not just finishing, but finishing well, finishing strong. Paul, in his words to Timothy, in a uh, couple chapters down, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I have fought the good fight of faith. He, he says, I've kept the faith. So he's not just talking about arriving at the end, oh, by the skin of your teeth. No, he's talking about finishing well, finishing strong, keeping the faith, enduring. So he says that we must become good at enduring. And specifically, he says, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier 
of Jesus Christ. Now look what he says in this next verse. No one engaged in warfare. So he's, he's giving you a picture now. He's, he's giving you an analogy of what this looks like. And he's talking about, hey, you've got a fight on your hands. This is a battle. This is a war we're waging. You, you came into the kingdom as a good soldier. You came into the kingdom and boom, you were enlisted to fight a battle, to fight for a cause, to fight for a reason, to fight for a purpose that is the kingdom. But he says, no one engaged in warfare, watch this, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. So what he begins to to help Timothy with is this is going to demand your attention. This battle, this warfare, this engagement, this this uh, struggle, this trial, that, that what he essentially is saying is, is if whatever you put in is what's going to come out. You know, lack, pressure, uh, opposition, they have a way of revealing what you're made of. I was watching the... Uh, the uh, one of the baseball games, they're in the playoffs right now, and I'm not even going to tell you what's happening to the Braves right now. It's awful. It's awful. It's horrific. Oh, man, Chuck texted me this afternoon. I was in the middle of study, and I, it about, about had 10 nothing in the first inning, and it's even worse now. But the other night, I was watching the, uh, the Nationals uh, Dodgers game, and uh, at the very end, Ryan Zimmerman, they were interviewing him star for the national has been there for 15 plus years and uh, finally getting a chance at you know advancing in the postseason and all that and he made this statement in the interview because they were asking about game five this is it it's winner go home uh, uh, so whoever wins tonight goes on whoever loses you're playing golf tomorrow I mean that's it that's the end of it so uh, they they asked them you know if they thought they were ready you know to face the pitcher that they're having to face on the other side and he made this statement he says game 5 reveals what you're made of pressure reveals what you're made of. you don't know what you have until you're squeezed a little bit come on now you don't even know what's in you until it's forced out sometimes and so Pressure and and challenges, trials and struggles have a way of revealing what's really there. And so he's saying you got to be careful what you are entangled with or essentially what he's saying is what you're giving your attention to, especially in the middle of warfare, especially in the middle of battle, especially in the middle of a struggle. You cannot be distracted in battle. You cannot be unfocused. You got to know that the, the preparation and the word and the study and, 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 and you got to know that you've been putting in the things necessary to overcome when the challenges come. You know, when the battle comes, honestly, guys, it's too late to start putting stuff in. 
I mean, you want to start cramming it in, it's like, okay, you know, I, I got a word that there's, you know, sickness in my body. Uh, you know, that I got a report from the doctor. And, and, and so, man, you know, some people, they're having to all of a sudden start cramming, just like a doctor does, starts cramming their body full of stuff to fight off. But, hey, what if we maintain health throughout? What if we keep ourselves in a position where we're constantly putting in so that in a proactive way we're fighting the battle before it ever shows up? But especially when it shows up, you cannot compromise your strength. You cannot compromise your endurance. And so this is what I recognize. What I engage in, what I engage in, can determine my, my endurance. What I engage in or what I'm surrounding myself with or what I am allowing my attention to be focused on or, 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 or fixated on determines how I come out on the other side is what he's saying. In battle, you cannot allow yourself to be distracted. Do not become entangled with the affairs of this life. The New Living Translation reads it this way. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. See, guys, sometimes we have to remind ourselves the mission that we're on. We have to remind ourselves how important it is, what we're fighting for, what we're fighting from, who we are in Christ. These are the things that you've got to keep yourself surrounded in because there is adversity, there is opposition, there is struggle and trials. And, and when those things come, they come to test what's on the inside of you. They come to test what's on the inside of you. He goes on to say back in the New King James, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless... He competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now watch this. For which I suffer. For which I suffer. What, what he does right there is he's saying, yeah, you're suffering. Yeah, there's challenges. Yes, there's trials. There's adversity. But remember, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. See, what I think on and what I reflect on in the midst of my struggle feeds, fuels, or can deplete my endurance or my, my ability to endure, what I'm feeding on, what I'm fixing on, what, what I'm setting my mind on can fuel or deplete my energy to endure. We, we've got to endure. We've got to outlast. We, we cannot, that we're not in this thing just halfway. We're not in this thing to just ride it out a little bit and say, ah, you know what, that's just too much, God, you're asking too much. And the deeper you go with God, the, the greater the pressure. It doesn't get any easier. Sometimes we have this confused uh, 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 idea that people that have walked with the Lord have, have gotten to a place where it's become easier to walk with the Lord, but that's not so. 
The only reason it looks easier is because they have trained and exercised themselves to push against that pressure. I mean, you know, there's, there's people in the gym that, you know, they lift much heavier than I, and they make it look easy, but it's not easy. And if they were to increase weight, they're, they're ultimately going to find a level where it's going to be a strain. It's going to require them to push with all they have. And guys, we are always going to have to be in a position where we're pushing with all that we have, believing with all that we have, trusting with all that we have. It does not get easier. Oh, I've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. It's just, you know, cakewalk now. I can do this with my eyes closed. That's not walking with God because God's not pleased unless we're operating out of faith. If it doesn't take faith, it, it's, it's, it's not of God. It's just that the challenges get greater. The pressure gets greater. But greater is he who is in you. That's the promise that we always have, and that's relative to your struggle. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter how much the deficiency in the bank account. It doesn't matter what the struggle is. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I've got to reflect on the right thing. Remember, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's taking you back to a position that will help fuel your faith to endure. That's why I'm suffering, he says. That's why I'm suffering. For which I suffer, suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, therefore, so now that's reflecting back to what he just said. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. That means he has a cause. When you have a sake of, that means you've got a cause, you've got a purpose. God, sometimes it's just as simple as remembering why we're doing what we're doing. Why do I endure this? Why is this challenge coming against me? Why? Because there's a mission, there's a purpose, there's a cause. David said that to the, the uh, Israelite army when they wouldn't go attack Phil the uh, Philistines and ultimately Goliath. He made the statement, is there not a cause? Hey, you, you've forgotten your purpose, therefore you've forgotten your identity, therefore you're sitting back here when you should be out there fighting and over. David, anybody could have done what David did. That story could have been written of anybody that rose up and recognized, wait a minute, I've got a cause, I've got a purpose, we're people of God. Our identity's in the Lord. He's gonna fight our battles for us. Who is this uncircumcised? Anybody could have had that conversation with themselves, but it took a shepherd boy to show up from a pasture that had no training, had no weapons, had no skill, but somebody that recognized their purpose, remembered what the cause was, what the mission was, and that's what overcome, overcame Goliath. I'll tell you what, insecurities will destroy you ever before your problems do. Insecurities will keep you from the things of God more than your problems ever will. Worry will keep you from things that the devil will never have to keep from you. Those are the things that are self-inflicted. 
Those are the things that we put on ourselves that we never even get out of the gate. We never even cross the line. We never even get, because there are certain things that we, the giant in you is what you have to overcome. If you conquer the giant inside of you, there's no giant out here that can keep you. We just ministered out of Numbers chapter 13 on Sunday, a powerful message on not being moved and living by what we see, but remembering what God said. And what God said is always greater than what you see. But the, what kept those Israelites out of the promised land? Not the giants. Their insecurity. The giants never even had to touch them. The giants never had to raise a spear, throw a, throw, you know, do anything. It's not the enemy that's always taking us out. Sometimes we're taking ourselves out. And so Paul's remembering, I've got a mission. I've got a cause. I've got a purpose. God has a plan for my life. And so because of that, I remind myself so that I can endure. I endure all things for the sake of the elect. There was even one point where Paul said, you know, I'm betwixt between the two to go on and be with Jesus or to remain here. But for your sake, I remain. He said that. You know what? There's times that I've deliberated just going on to the glory, being, you know, absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Man, that is a whole lot better than beatings and sitting in this jail cell. But for the care of the saints, for the care of the people, for the care of the churches, I'm going to remain. I've kept the faith, uh, the, the faith. I've fought the fight. I've ran my race. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation. What are you willing to endure for someone else? What are you willing to press through, strive through, endure through? Maybe not even for your benefit, but for someone else's benefit. You know what? I'm going to stay in and I'm going to fight this battle because it's going to be a testimony for this person over here. And you may not even know that person yet. You may be struggling, fighting through a battle right now, and you have no idea why, but it could be for the testimony and the benefit of someone 10 years from now where you'll be able to say, my gosh, I went through that same exact thing. Let me tell you what God did for me. That, that, that's, that's, that's endurance. I could just bow out right now. I could just say, you know what? This isn't worth the fight. This isn't worth the pressure. This isn't, I could live more comfortably. I could have more convenience. I could do things to my own glory, to my own, but I'm gonna stay in the fight because it's gonna bless somebody else one day. Man, that's what Paul's saying here. That's what he's telling Timothy. Now remember, this is at the end of Paul's life. Paul's on his way out. Timothy's on his way in. So Paul finishing is telling Timothy where to start. You gotta endure as a good soldier. Let me tell you, there's gonna be some pressures. There's gonna be some fights. There's gonna be some struggles. I fought the good fight. I ran my race. I kept the faith. This is what I'm passing on to you. That others also may obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And if we deny him, he also will deny us. You've seen this verse before in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. 
talking about enduring, finishing, lasting, outlasting, overcoming. And I'll be honest with you, I want to change our definition of endurance if I can. Because I I think that we have a different idea of enduring than what biblical endurance looks like. There's a difference. For us, if you say the word endure, it's not so positive. Positive in the sense that I lasted, but usually the idea of someone that has endured is they're beat up, beat down, frustrated, you know, it's, it's, it's either this, I'm either enjoying or I'm enduring. Right? You're either enjoying life or you're enduring life. You're either enjoying your new job or you're enduring your, new, your, your job. You're either enjoying your coworkers or you're enduring your coworkers. You're either in, enjoying parenting or you're enduring parenting. You're either enjoying marriage or you're enduring marriage. I mean, we have the two categories and they're polar opposites. They're antonyms, but I believe the Bible says they're synonyms. I believe the Bible says they're one and the same. I believe the Bible says if you're not enjoying, you're not enduring. And I want to show this to you in James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Come on, we've pointed this out before. Count it all. Count it all means to consider or regard as joyful. Count. To count means to consider or regard. That means I'm categorizing, okay? When I'm considering something or I'm regarding something, I'm categorizing, I'm putting it into a column now. Joyful, not joyful. And for us, our columns have been enjoying and enduring. And, I, and you can do that right now in your, in your mind. Maybe you're doing that. Here's the things that I enjoy. Here's the things I endure. And so we have our columns, we have our categories, we have uh, where we want to put things. And this is what he says, count it all joy, consider it, regard it as joyful when you, what's that word? Fall into millions of dollars. When you fall into love, when you fall into obedience from your kids, when you fall, no, 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 he says when you fall into Various trials, all kinds of trials is what he says. Any kind of trial that you can face in your life, consider, regard, categorize as joyful when you fall into, not when you come out of. I just love that. I mean, it's easy to consider it joyful when we come out of a trial. Man, God's delivered me, God's freed me. Look at this, we're in, we got it. And again, you've heard us say recently, the one thing we consider and that we enjoy today, we're enduring tomorrow. You, you know this. There's both sides. There's both sides. The promised land has great fruit, grapes, but it's also got giants. It's got Land flowing with milk and honey, but it's also got land and cities fortified with your enemies. It's got both. And so many times we come into the kingdom for one side. 
Bible says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Some people want the grace Jesus. Some people want the truth Jesus, but he was both. You can't categorize him. He was both. He's all of it. And so he's saying here, when you fall into, consider it, regard it as joyful when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith. Remember, you're not being tested. Your faith is being tested. It's not coming against you. Don't take it personal. There's a testing of your faith. Testing means to prove what is already there. That's what testing means. To prove what is already there. So the test comes, and you know what that helps me understand? It must be in me if God's requiring it of me. It must be in me if God is requiring it of me. If God is asking me to produce it, then he must have planted it somewhere. Because I cannot produce what was not planted. Come on, I don't know what this applies to in your life. It might be a business. It might be parenting. It might be a, 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 a marriage situation. It might be a struggle that that, that, you, that that might be for a specific time. It may be a general. I don't know. But whatever God is requiring of you, he has planted within you. Because testing means to prove you do not test on what has not been taught. There's no ignorant teacher out there that's going to test on what they did not teach. Every great teacher knows that for me to get the best results out of my students, I have to first put in them if I'm going to ask it of them. It actually reflects poorly on the teacher to make a demand of a student of something they have not put in. If you have not imparted it, then you do not get to require it. Come on now. So he's saying, count it all joy, even when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. When my faith is tested, it produces something. That means I should have an expectation of a result. I, I should never go into a situation where my faith is tested and not have an expectation of something on the other side. I come out looking for, okay, what, what, God, what are you requiring of me? What, what is it that you're wanting me to produce? What are you asking? What are you developing within me? What, what is it that's in me, number one, that you've already planted, but also now what are you producing? What is the expectation of me going through this trial or going through this circumstance? And again, we're gonna go through it. He, he doesn't promise us a way out of it. He promises us a way through it. God is not a teacher that just takes up the test and said, ah, just don't worry about it. I give you all an A. You got it. There's no curve. <laughs> no grading on a curve here. He doesn't round up to the next letter. Well, I had some teachers help me out going through school. I'll tell you right now. I took two, I took one semester of uh, community college and uh Man, what was the one class? It was a, uh, uh, oh, uh, accounting, accounting. Yeah, a math class, of course. That was the worst thing of my life ever. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever endured something 
that was rough. Accounts receivable, debits and credits, and as soon as I thought I had it, I had no idea. It had me. I had no idea what I was doing. And and so I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, she just said, poor kid, and passed me. I know. There's no way. There is no way I made more than a 30 in that class. There's no way. Somehow I got a 72 just enough to pass and get on through that thing and get me to the next thing. And I quit community college after that. That was enough. Nope. Those credits are sitting out somewhere. Mrs. Garfield was her name. Mrs. Garfield. I thought she was mean, but man, when she gave me that mercy and that grace at the end, I was like, you are the most amazing saint on the planet. There is a special mansion in heaven for you to pass me on that. She didn't want me back is what it was. Get this kid out of my sight. I don't ever want to see him in my class. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just was not registering. Uh, I don't even know why I brought that up. Now, brought back such horrible memories. It's just, I don't know, no recovering from that. Let's just go back to the word. So the testing of your faith produces patience. God doesn't grade on a curve is what I was saying. So if he's asking it of you, he has planted it in you. The testing of your faith produces patience, but then we have to let patience have its perfect work, verse four says, that you may be perfect and complete. Be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How does God want us to finish? He wants us to finish well. He wants us to finish whole. He wants us to finish all. He wants us to finish complete, perfect in him. That's God's standard. That's, God, that's what God's looking for. And again, God doesn't make a demand on us in, in, a, in something that he does not believe we are able to complete or to do. He wouldn't ask us to be holy if it wasn't possible for us to be. What kind of unrighteous God would do that? What kind of creator, king, Lord would ask of their people what they're not capable of doing? If it's in the word and if he's requiring it of me, I can do it. We may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I wanna read this to you out of the New Living Translation, starting with verse two. Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider, there it is, consider it an opportunity. Is it opposition or is it opportunity? For great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance, now here we go, your endurance has a chance to grow. Remember, enduring is what gets me to the end. Enduring is what helps me outlast. Enduring is what helps me finish well, finish strong. To God, enduring and enjoying are not opposites. They are the same. I can't control what happens to me. But enjoying or considering joy regarding that's my job the trial is not my problem the trial i won't be held accountable for the trial i'm held accountable for my response to the trial 
I'm held accountable for how I endure through it, how I walk through it. And again, enduring is not just what I do, but it's how I do it. Do I endure with gratitude? Do I endure with thankfulness? Just as Paul, Paul gave us the most practical example. I'm suffering and I'm suffering for the elect. But remember, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's how you do it. When, I'm, when you are in your greatest test, that's when your gratitude should be at the highest level. The greater the test, guys, I'm telling you right now, the greater the gratitude. You know, you've heard people say this. You've seen the memes. You've seen people do it on social media. You know, when, when next time you're complaining about laundry, thank God for the kids that you have, uh, that you're parenting, that are putting their bodies in those clothes and making all the messes. When you have to do this, thank God for this. When you're going through that, thank God. You can make gratitude and thankfulness a part of anything in your life. Your situation does not dictate your level of gratitude. But for see, but but see, some people they have to have uh, a calmness and a lack of pressure and a lack of uh, 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 joy is not the result of a lack of opposition. It's my response to opposition. Joy, watch this. Joy for the believer is always a requirement. It's never not a requirement. Does that mean that I always have joyful moments? No. But see, for most people, joy is simply an emotion. And emotions are dictated by what's happening to me. That's how people live. If it's happy, then I'm happy. If it's joyful, then I'm joyful. But if it's scary then I'm in fear. If it's depressing, I'm depressed. If, it's, if it brings anxiety, then I'm anxious. I'm worried. We're just responding to what's happening around us rather than changing what's happening around us. And I'll tell you, the first thing to changing what's around you is first changing what's in you. That's where it starts. I can't control how he treats me, but I can control my response to it. I can't control what the paycheck says, but I can control how I respond to it. I can't control the way my boss treats me, but I can control how I respond. You're always in control of your response. Therefore, you're always in control of your joy. Joy is your. You, it, look, do not make joy a slave to someone else. And I'll put it this way, whatever you attach your joy to, you become a slave to. Whatever you attach your joy to, you become a slave to. If you attach your joy to how somebody treats you, then you're a slave to that person. Because if they don't treat you right, guess what? Now your response is dictated by their behavior. This is why we, we are the masters of our own joy. We're the masters of how I endure. You are the master. Nobody else can control that. Do not hand over the keys to your joy to anybody else. It belongs to you. It's yours. 
I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond to it. And ultimately, he's saying, if you're not in joy, then your endurance won't grow. It's all connected. It's all connected here. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For great joy. He even qualifies it. Great joy. Count it all joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed. That means I can have immature endurance or I can have fully mature endurance. I can have incomplete endurance or I can have complete, perfected, full endurance. Endurance can grow, apparently. Endurance has levels. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is an unsettled, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. That means I'm not dictated by what's going on around me. I'm, I'm determining my position. I'm determining how I'll respond from the inside, not from the outside. He says that such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So if I remain in faith, I can expect to see something. If I become fixed in doubt, then I shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you jump on down, I think it's verse 12. James 1 verse 12, here in the New Living. God blesses those who what? patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessing comes to those who patiently endure. So if I'm not enjoying, I'm not enduring. Joy is a component of my endurance. Joy is what gets me to my endurance. We're not just talking about gritting our teeth through it. We're talking about finding the joy in it, finding the purpose in it, finding the mission, reminding myself why I'm in this, reminding myself who else could be compromised if I don't fight this battle, reminding myself that God is for me, not against me, reminding myself that I am an overcomer. I'm not fighting for, I'm fighting from. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. And we have a new and better covenant. If that applied to those old Israelites in the wilderness that ended up dying out there after 40 years, then it more so even applies to me that has the Spirit of God living in me, residing upon me, working through me. I am an overcomer. I am a conqueror. What he said is greater than what's happening to me. What he said is greater than what I'm seeing happen in my life. And so I'm not enduring in a sense of, I'm just trying to outlast. I'm just, try, I'm just trying to make it through. Oh God, you're, just, you're gonna have to drag me to the finish line. No, it's going through with joy. It's going through with passion. It's going through with purpose is what he's saying. 
So look at this in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. You know, we want to split the two. I, I, I'm not going to have us go there, but in Galatians chapter 6, it talks about Galatians 6, 7, and through 9. Let's just throw it up there. You, you go to Matthew chapter 14. Andre, if you would throw up Galatians 6, 7 through 9, New King James. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Watch this. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Did you know that you could get wore out even doing good? Getting wore out or feeling a weight or feeling a burden is not an indicator I'm doing the wrong thing. But sometimes we do that. We automatically apply, well, I must be out of the will of God. I must not be where he wants me. I must not be doing. Sometimes you'll get wore out doing even the right thing. But he still says, but don't grow weary. Don't grow tired when you're doing good. We have to endure. And we endure by enjoying. Joy is a component of endurance. You will not enjoy a season of harvest if you do not endure a season of planting. You will not enjoy a season of harvest if you are unwilling to endure the season of planting. And we, we, we mentioned this on Sunday, kind of a message within a message. They went into the promised land and they saw the large grapes. Well, guess what? Somebody had to plant those grapes. And I see it happen all the time in the body of Christ. I see it happen all the time with believers that we will move on a season where we see it's more fruitful over here. I mean, we had people, I'll just be honest, we had people that came to our church early on, first couple years, when we were in our tiny little 2,000 square foot facility, Nikki's over there smiling at me. And, and I, know, I know for a fact, and this happened in St. Augustine, when we were planning in St. Augustine, we were in a space that was about, uh, we were grew to about 300, a little over 300 people, but our sanctuary wasn't, couldn't hold that. We eventually had to go to two services. And then this, this awesome vision that God gave Pastor Earl to take over a six-screen movie theater that was attached to a mall. And we're like, man, that's awesome. We literally had people come into our crammed little tight sanctuary that we had. And Pastor Earl would talk about vision and they would literally say this, well, let us know when you get in the mall. You wanna enjoy the harvest, but you don't wanna plant. And that's okay. We'll let you enjoy the harvest. But I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, that doesn't go. It doesn't fly. Those that are the ones that are willing to put in the work are the ones that are going to enjoy the harvest. And I'll tell you right now, if you change because, wow, looks like things are really excited over here. Looks like things are really going on over here. I, I call them, and this came up after my message, spiritual snowbirds. One of my first jobs when I moved to St. Augustine, I worked at a bank. 
and one of the locations that I worked at was in a very wealthy area just south of Jacksonville called Ponte Vedra. Some of y'all might be familiar with it. I did nothing all day, bank-wise. I did whatever I wanted to do because we literally, because those aren't people that come to the bank every day. They have tons of money. Most of them didn't even live there. Why? Because they would come to Florida in the winter, but they're from up north. But they would snowbird when the season was more comfortable and the season was more convenient and they didn't have to shovel. But they didn't want to leave this, but they wanted to come and enjoy this. And we have spiritual snowbirds that want to relocate every time the, the season they don't like it or the season turns into, look, if you don't endure the planting of the harvest, you're not going to do the reaping. You're not going to get to enjoy the reaping of the harvest. This is spiritual principles. So we don't grow weary in a season where there's a little more work and a little more pressure because there will one day be a season of harvest. And if we don't sow, we won't reap. And what I sow is what I'll reap. That's a biblical, spiritual principle. There's no way around it. There's no shortcuts to it. If we don't sow it, we cannot sit back and say, well, where's the harvest at? Well, where were you when it was a season to sow? Where was it when it was a season to pour into? Where was it? You've got to be willing to do the labor, do the work, endure with joy, weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. What? If we do not lose heart. He's going back to the heart. See, joy is from the heart. Joy is not just in my actions. Joy isn't just in how I talk. Joy isn't just in my attitude. If it's not in my heart, it won't be in my hands. If I don't have joy in my heart, then I will do things grudgingly. And I will, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, he addresses this and he says, do not give grudgingly or out of pressure or out of obligation for the Lord, what? Loves a cheerful giver, not just the action of giving. I heard one pastor say one time, just because the church will take your money doesn't mean God will. Because we'll take it if you give it cheerfully or not. (laughs) I'm not going to put it back in and say, hey, we don't even want it. Now, hey, finance is finance. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the the righteous. I don't care whose hand it was in before. We'll use it. But God is saying, look, I I don't need your money but I want your heart and where your treasure is, there's your heart. So he has to go through your money to get to your heart. But he's not after what's in your hand. He's he's after what's in your heart. So don't lose heart because in due season, seasons come and seasons go. Well, I'm just not seeing it. Well, it's a season of planting. But guess what? Seasons of planting turn into seasons. That goes all the way back to Genesis. For the remainder of time, there'll be a season to plant and there'll be a season to reap. There'll be a time to sow and there'll be a time to harvest. Seed time and harvest will remain on earth, he said. So in Matthew chapter 14, just wrapping this up, y'all know this story. Verse 
22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. They're in a storm. Through the storm, you are Lord of all. Through the storm, you are good. Through The storm does not dictate who God is. The storm does not dictate who I am. The storm does not, I do not identify with my enemy. Come on. My challenge, and sometimes we do that. When you lose your identity, you lose your focus, you lose your purpose, you lose your passion, you allow your enemies to determine your identity. That's what the Israelites did. They saw those giants. They forgot who they were. They forgot what God's word said. They forgot that they were God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the fire by night, the cloud by day. God was constantly trying to remind them, I'm for you. You are my people. I am with you. And they saw the giants and they identified as grasshoppers. We can't do that. So the storm comes, they're in the middle of the sea, verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. Sometimes we can get so put into fear that even when God's trying to show up in our lives, we'll resist that. We can't allow fear to overcome us. They didn't even recognize Jesus, the man that they bent with, because he's now walking on water. He's now doing something they haven't seen him before. If God moved in your life today and did something that you couldn't even imagine or believe that he could do, would you recognize it or resist it? Would we push it away? Oh, that that can't be God. No, there's no way God could use that person to move. Some of us couldn't receive a miracle from God through certain people. Come on now. I want to be open to however God wants to use whoever God wants to use in my life. I don't want to resist it. I want to recognize it. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. You just need a word from God. You don't need a lot. Didn't need Jesus to preach in that moment. Didn't need Jesus to go into a big oratorical teaching. Come, one word. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But verse 30, but when he saw, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, when he saw that the storm was raging around him, when he saw the chaos, when he saw the discomfort, when he saw the inconvenience, when he saw the pain, when he saw the depression, when he saw the anxiety, when he saw, he became. When he saw, he became. When he saw, he became. Whatever you fix on is what you become. Whatever you are led by, you are led to. He was, had his eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus said, come. And at, time, that, at that time, he's still thinking, okay, this ghost is asking me to come walk on the water. He steps out of the boat. He's going towards Jesus on a word. 
Because God's word is greater than any situation. God's word is greater than any challenge. God's word is greater. God's word is greater than the storm raging around you. If God says walk on it, you can walk on it. He's not going to require something of you if he hasn't put it in you. And so he gives one word, come. So Peter coming out has his eyes fixed on Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm walking. This is weird. I've never done this before. He's not walking on water. He's walking on a word now. You better have a word. You can't hop out on someone else's word. You go out on your word. Got to be careful with this stuff. Somebody will get up here and, yeah, God told me to empty my bank account and it would be blessing and, and, and I got a new car. So they think, oh, well, I must need a, no, 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 you go on a word for you, not a word for them. Get your word. Hear what God is saying to you. For one, it might be give. For another, God might be instructing save. He told Joseph to save for seven years. You got to get a word from God, not a word from someone else of how God did their miracle. So he's stepping out on a word. He's not walking on water. He's walking on a word from Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. He became what he saw. He was moved by what was, what the, the, uh, 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 Paul tell Timothy, you do not become entangled with the affairs of life, meaning what I'm engaged. Here's the thing. What you engage in determines if you endure or you enjoy. What you engage in determines what you, if, if you endure or if you enjoy. So I've got to be careful what I'm engaging in. I tell you right now, one, one of the first things that I tell people if they're in a struggle, if they're in a fight, they're in a predicament. One of the first things I tell them is start cutting off things around you that you're allowing to feed into you. Because you may, even unbeknownst to you, may be feeling doubt versus faith. That's why Jesus, when he went into the bedroom, uh, into the home of the young girl, the 12-year-old girl that had died, and they're all wailing, weeping, crying loudly. What did he say? Everybody else out. I need the parents and I need these three. And that's it. Sometimes you gotta, when you go into a situation, you got to be careful who's going into the situation with you. Sometimes you got to be careful who you bring in on it with you. Facebook's not a great place to go when you are looking for faith. I'm just being honest with you. Blasting it on, you know, some of my greatest trials only one or two people knew about. I was very pointed, very assured that they were people that were gonna help strengthen my faith, help fuel my faith, help, help keep me fixed on what I needed to look at because I can't be distracted right now. I gotta. When you're driving in a, in a storm and you got two hands on the wheel, I mean, you know, I, I remember one time I was going through and I had music playing and, you know, Camden's doing what his thing in the back and, you know, you're just kind of, you know, just chilling. And then all of a sudden that storm comes up and you can't hardly see anything. I turn the radio off. Everybody else be quiet. I got to get through this storm and I can't have distractions. I can't have anything 
taking my, it could take one split second to take my, my eyes off. I begin to see what's around me and he began to sink. Notice the storm didn't cause him to sink. His sight caused him to sink. Your sight will ride you through a storm, but your sight can also compromise your endurance in a storm. What am I fixing my eyes on? What am I looking at? What am I seeing? What, what, what am I engaged in? What am I entangled with? You know, fasting is not religious activity, but fasting is a great way to get clarity you have a big decision to make, start eliminating stuff. And food is a great way. Eliminating food, it's not a diet plan. It's a way to get closer to God. When you start shutting off things to your body, when things start, you start limiting access and you start cutting off natural desires and just natural, you know, some, for some people it's just routines. They drive the same way, they watch the same thing, they get up at the same time, they go to bed at the same, and we get so patterned and we become so routine that God, God can't make room, get God in there so you can hear his voice. Eliminate things, cut things out. Get your focus fueled so you can endure, you can outlast. And not just endure, with a bad attitude, not just endure, just barely getting, but endure with gratitude, endure with thankfulness. I will come out on the other side. I will have a testimony. It, this test is only coming to prove what is already in me. Know your identity, know your purpose, know your mission. You'll endure, you'll come out on the other side. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.